time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Got your Bible? We're going to go to James 5 tonight. Uh, we're continuing in this series called Elijah. And really, we're, 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 we're kind of like jumping from this, this verse about Elijah, where it talks about prayer and, and talking about prayer for these two weeks, because at Coram Deo... Uh, we launched and we talked about this furnace prayer room that is going 24 hours a day, day and night, night and day with young people. And so I'm so excited about what God's doing with a, a youth ministry where at the core is young people, teenagers and 20-somethings crying out to God night and day. And so uh, I, I, we're just going to continue in that, uh, talking about prayer. So James chapter 5, and uh, we'll go with verse 16b. 16b, here we go. The prayer... Of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Say effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly. Say earnestly. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heart and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. God, we thank you for what you're doing in marking us. As a people of prayer, God, we ask for a continuing, enabling grace, Lord Jesus, that we as a, as a band of teenagers and 20-somethings, God, would truly be a people of prayer. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would strengthen us. Would you cause your word to come alive in us? Would you help us, Lord Jesus, to even be people that call down fire like Elijah did? God, people that believe for miracles like Elijah did. People that walk in faith like Elijah was. We love you and we honor you. And everybody shouted, amen? Yeah. Amen. When I was in college, uh, I, 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 I was a, a Bible student and I ended up attending a local church prayer meeting uh, quite frequently throughout the week. And to be honest with you, it's kind of crazy because, you know, who, who goes as a college kid, who kind of gets connected to a church? I had left home and moved to a new city and I found myself going to a prayer meeting where the people really actually liked it, where they actually liked prayer, and it wrecked my life. I was uh, 18 years old, and it, it absolutely messed up my life to this day. It ruined me for the idea that prayer can be enjoyable, that prayer can be effective, and that prayer can be for everybody. And so I began going to this prayer meeting, and this prayer meeting kind of blew me away because it was a big church, and you had a band of people that would meet together. Somewhere between maybe, on a small day, they'd have like six or seven. On a big day, they'd have like 20, maybe 25. And they had people of all ages, and they'd come together, and they, they, they actually liked what they were doing. Like they would come, and they had their Bibles open. They would worship. The guy who led worship wasn't very good, but they all liked it. And they all enjoyed worshiping together and praying together. Their smiles on their faces. They had coffee, which we all know is the secret anointing to a great prayer meeting. And so, so they all had coffee and Bibles and tears as they prayed the scriptures. And they had big things written out, like big visions of what they were believing for their city. And they, they would actually pray those things as if they believed that it actually mattered. Like it wasn't like, hey, we should get together and pray. Instead, it was like, hey... We enjoy praying, and we believe that our prayers actually matter, and we believe that 
everybody, I mean, you had blue collar and white collar, young and old, male and female. You had a diverse group that would come together and unite together and pray. They liked it. They believed that it mattered. And I remember I was, I was just out of high school and I was shocked. I had never seen anything. I had never felt that in a prayer meeting. Now, I had, I had been to worship nights and I loved worship nights. And, and I had been to church camp. But a regular, raw, morning prayer meeting. And I began to want to go there before class. So I had an 8 a.m. class. And I began to drive across town to go to this church prayer meeting. And tonight I want to talk to you about those three ideas that, that, I, that I see becoming a part of our culture. A part of what God is doing right here in our midst. Right here with us. The first one is enjoyable. I believe that when we come into the furnace prayer room or when we build our campus prayer meetings, that, it, we, that you as a person that loves God, that it can be enjoyable. Say enjoy. enjoy. Now say enjoyable. enjoyable. Now say joy. joy. Alright, in Isaiah 56... It says, there will be joy in my house of prayer. And we're all familiar with Isaiah 56. It's kind of a, a big prayer about a house of prayer for the nations. We've got a big world prayer center sitting right out front. And when you walk in, right over the door is Isaiah 56. It's kind of like the big central verse. And right here, Isaiah, when he's talking about prayer, he says, there will be joy in my house of prayer. In other words, when you think of prayer, the last thing that we want you to think of is you coming into a prayer. Whoa, sorry, whoever's over, I broke all that. It's just an iPod. All right. The last thing that we want you to think of is misery. A lot of times when you think, okay, maybe, maybe I should lead a campus prayer meeting or maybe I should take a prayer block in the furnace prayer room, you don't mean to think this, but you think, I'm going to do God a favor, be obedient to God, and I'm going to go sit there, be miserable, all for the glory of God. And be miserable in the place of prayer, pretend like you like it. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, I love this. I believe Isaiah writes that the way we function best as a people of prayer is where we like it. It's where there's joy. Smile at the person next to you say joy. All right? Where there's actually, there will be joy in my house of prayer. So there's going to be houses of prayer that fill the earth. There's going to be churches that pray, youth groups that pray, junior high groups that pray, children's groups that pray, college groups that pray. There's going to be believers where prayer is a practice. It's not uh, necessarily like an idea of like a, where you picture a house. And that house is a house of prayer. You know, and that's not it. All right? It's a group of people where prayer is valued in their community and they like, they enjoy prayer. It's possible. Proverbs 15.8 says that the prayer of the upright is his delight. The prayer of the upright is God's delight. So he delights. That means smiles, enjoys, likes the prayer of the upright. So when you picture God and you picture him and you come before him to pray... The tempting thing to do is to think, I'm going to come before God. He's probably ticked. He knows how much money that I have wasted on iPhone apps. And he's probably mad at me for all of these different things that I've done wrong. And so I'm feeling bad. So I'm going to come to the prayer room or I'm going to come to the campus prayer meeting. And I'm going to endure God's wrath and just, hi, what's up? All right. But I want you to lock in with this. The Bible says that he delights. He enjoys. 
He likes the prayers of the righteous. You are the righteous. If you're redeemed, you've said yes to the first work of the cross, raise your hand. I want to see. All right? He likes you. All right? Now you go, wait a minute. I'm not so sure. I mean, after all, how right am I? Well, when you said yes to Jesus, you took on the righteousness of Christ. Ha, 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 ha. Good day. All right? So when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. You're a part of his family. You're a part of the redeemed. He enjoys, delights, and likes you. So my, the, one of the biggest things for me when, to start to enjoy prayer was how I started to see God. When I saw God and I came before him and I was like, God, I know that I'm supposed to pray. God, I know that you said to pray without ceasing. God, I know that I'm supposed to be a, a man of prayer, but I don't feel like I am. And so, and so I'm sure that you're going to reach down out of heaven and take your gavel and squash my head. When it turned from that to God, what's up? It's David, the one you like, the one you love. One you redeemed, your favorite kid on the planet. What's up now? When it, when it became that, it caused me to feel like I wanted to be in his presence. It caused me when, when, when the primary picture that I saw of God was that God actually liked, loved, enjoyed, delighted in, thought I was cool. Then all of a sudden, I wanted to be there. It wasn't like, no, I'll stay away. Instead, it was like, I want to run. In fact, in Hebrews 4, that's the way that Hebrews 4 talks about entering into the presence of God. It says, therefore, we approach the throne of grace that we might find a ticked off mean God that wants to crush our head. No. It says, we approach the throne of grace that we might find mercy. Mercy! That we might find a God of grace. That we might find a God of mercy. A God that delights in you coming before him. If you will lock in with that kind of God, I want you to just picture it. Everybody, I want you to smile as big as you can. I mean, biggest cheesy smile you got. I mean, give it to me. Give it to me. I want to see pearly whites or I want to see my reflection in your braces, whatever you got. All right. There you go. All right. Now, okay, see? All right, listen. God, your God, our God, he, I, he, when you come into his presence, you come before him, he's a smiling God. He's a God that delights in the prayers of the righteous. He's a God that enjoys you. He likes you. He likes it when you pray. He loves it. He loves it when you come into his presence and you pray. And when you lock in with that concept, that idea, you will be surprised how much prayer goes from a duty into a delight. You'll be surprised how much that will be a place where you find identity and joy, actual joy. He delights in you. Second one is this. James 5.16, we just read it. The, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or does much. When we pray, it actually makes a difference. I want to read out of the Bible here. Daniel chapter 10. All right? Daniel 10. Are you okay? I know I'm cruising kind of fast tonight because I'm going to cover a lot of material because it's going to be a long time to have a prayer series again and i got to just get my fix. So I'm going to preach on prayer. We'll take a break for Christmas. We'll be right back at it in January. No, I'm just kidding. All right, but, but I, I want to try to get in a lot of Bible tonight. Okay, Daniel chapter 10. If you're, uh, if you're with me, say aye, aye. All right, good. Daniel chapter 10, sorry. I didn't mean like a militant aye, aye. Whatever. All right, Daniel chapter 10. Here we go. So here's the story of Daniel. Daniel has just been praying and fasting. Daniel... Uh, prays. He's in a season of prayer and fasting. Here we go, verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me. Okay, so this is the angel of the Lord touching Daniel. A hand touched me. 
which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. So this means on my knees, palms of my hands, that's what's happening to Daniel. You got it? Are you with me? Aye, aye? All right, good. All right. All right, tr- on the, uh, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hand. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, which I love that. I love the O. Oh. I'm just confident that the O oh is like affectionate. It's not like, oh, Daniel. It's, it's Daniel has been praying and fasting. The angel of the Lord delights in Daniel. The loves the fact that Daniel's been praying. He, he calls him man greatly beloved. So he goes, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. So he's saying, you, Daniel, you're, uh, so it's not just, hey, Daniel, what's up? You've been praying, cool. No, it's, Oh, Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Man, greatly beloved. I mean, we're talking the angel here is enjoying Daniel. <laughs> That's what I was saying a minute ago, right? Are you with me? We're talking about enjoying. God enjoying you. The angel of the Lord is appearing to Daniel, calls a man greatly beloved, and actually says in an expressive way, Oh, Daniel. I mean, he likes him. He goes, Oh, Daniel. Man, greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have been now sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Here it is. Your words were heard. Daniel, every prayer that you prayed was heard. And I have come because of your words. Now let's just stay here for a minute. Daniel. Every prayer that you prayed, your words were heard. And I, the angel of the Lord, I decided I was going to come no matter what. No. Before the foundations of the world, it was predetermined that I was going to come right now and say, what's up? No. And I, I came, why? Because of your words. Your words were, he- were heard and I came because, or another version says, in response to your prayers. So the angel of the Lord says, all right. You pray and fast, Daniel. I come in response to the man of God's prayers. Hmm. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. Effective. It means something. Many of you, when you think about, okay, it seems like our youth ministry is getting real excited about prayer in 2010. We talked a lot about campus prayer groups. We had a big conference we did a 40-day fast. All right, a lot of prayer and fasting. Campus prayer groups launched. We prayed our campus groups. Now we're launching a 24-hour prayer. It seems like it's got a big deal. Yeah, here's the deal. When this resonates in your soul, when you lock in with that every prayer that you pray is effective, it becomes a priority. It becomes something that you delight in. It becomes something that you want to do. And so we just, we, we see it with internships here. We see it with young people. They come here. They have zero to very little desire to pray. I was meeting with a, a college kid today at four o'clock. And he said, after being here for three years, he goes, let me tell you the thing that I love more than anything. And I said, the mountains. No. The girls. No. The education you're getting. No. Skiing. No. David Perkins. Not at all. <laughs> he said, let me tell you. He goes, I love the prayer room. I just love the, 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 the focused time where I'm committed to being there, to keeping the fire burning. I like the fact that I am responsible, that there's people that want me to be there. And then I go in there and I encounter God, sometimes by myself, but for a couple hours, I'm locked in with God. 
when you, as a young person, young man, young woman, when you lock in with that God delights in you, you start to delight in God, and you want to be close to him, you want to be near him. And he delights being with you. Your prayers, you start to see them as making a measurable impact, not a theoretical thing that I do because I'm a good person. I like that. I like praying just because he told us to do it, and that's cool, and we do that. But we also have the future hope that it's effective, that when you pray, you're actually changing the world. When you pray, God is working. When you pray, God does stuff. When you pray, there is actually, I mean, imagine what Daniel felt when he's like, Oh, I prayed and an angel was dispatched from heaven. Now, I know you're all thinking, Bible story. I want you to lock in and pretend you're in the story. Imagine you're Daniel. You're old. You're really good with lions. You've somehow successfully prayed three times a day. You've lived in Babylon. I mean, you're you're a real person. Imagine that you're a real person. Daniel. You're the real person, Daniel, and an angel of the Lord appears to you after praying and fasting and saying, here I am, the angel of God, and I have come because you prayed. You'd be like, dude, me? Yeah, you. Yeah, but I'm just a guy. Like, you know, yeah, you, Daniel. We have that same promise from our Savior, Jesus Christ. He looks at us. In Matthew 7, 7, he says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And then he says, what? He says, for whoever asks, seeks. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door is open. For which of you, he says, which of you fathers would give your kid a bad gift if he asked for something? No. You want to give him a good gift. You wouldn't give him a snake. You wouldn't give him a stone. Right? You wouldn't give him a scorpion. He says, no, you want to give him good gifts. You want to give him bread. When he asks for it. Or an egg. In the Bible it says egg. We wouldn't really call an egg a good thing now, but we'll go with it. Bread, an egg, a good thing, right? You want to give good gifts to your children. Let me tell you, that whole philosophy to be persistent or because effective comes back to the root because you're enjoyed because he's a good father. And he likes to give good gifts. Your God delights in you. Yeah, but I feel imperfect. I feel average. I don't feel, con- I don't feel disciplined. I don't feel consistent. Good. That's how we all feel. Prayer's not for just the disciplined. Prayer's for the weak. Prayer's for everybody. So, many of you, when you think about prayer, you think, oh, that's for the interns. They're the disciplined ones because if they don't, then Dan Perkins, you know, beats them with a stick or something, you know, like, no, not yet. Or that they're the disciplined ones. Or maybe, maybe the kids that lead the campus prayer meeting, they're the ones that, they're in good with Stefan, and so they're in that tight-knit group, and so they lead the campus because they're disciplined Christians. One of the most powerful things when it comes to stepping into what God's called you to step into. I'm not talking about what God's called us to tonight. I'm talking about what God's called you to. Where, where God is calling you to be. In campus prayer meetings, in the furnace prayer room, in something that God's placed in your heart, something that you're starting, something that you're doing. It, prayer 
is not most, does not mostly start in the place of discipline. It mostly starts in the place of desperation. It doesn't mostly start with the disciplined person who says, watch this, oh God, here I am. The alarm clock went off, and now I come before you for an hour to demonstrate my discipline. Or now I lay me down to sleep. You know, that's kind of a little undisciplined, but whatever. No, most of you, any prayer life that you had didn't come from the place of discipline, came from the place of desperation, where you needed a miracle. You needed God. I remember 14 years old, 14 years old, ending up in a 16-year-old's Jeep with like eight other guys driving through a field in Oklahoma at about 11 o'clock at night, and, I, and we were doing donuts in a field. And my, like, probably my most authentic, first fervent prayer of a righteous man was, oh God, 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 let me not die, let me not die, let me not die, let me not die, save me, save me, save me, save me, save me, save me. Please don't let my parents kill me, please don't let my parents kill me, please don't let my parents kill me. Right? And it was authentic. It was like, really? Oh God, I need you now. Right? And when you look at most of us, most of the time, we don't accelerate in the place of prayer, mostly out of the place of, place of discipline, but mostly when we recognize how much we need God. And for some of you, one of the reasons why prayer isn't, isn't a big deal in your life, it isn't important, is because you have so much stuff that you feel like you don't really need God. But here's the thing. The more that you worship the more that you come down here week after week and, and declare how great he is, how holy he is, how awesome he is, the more that you study the Bible and you start to figure out that he is the creator, he is sovereign, he is in control, he is king, when you start to recognize the magnitude, the bigness, the vastness, the greatness of God, then you start to figure out how small you really are. And then you start to go, holy cabooses, I need God. I need you, Jesus. God, I need you in my life. Each one of you are called to be a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. There is no gift in the scriptures, the gift of prayer. Some of you are like, well, I don't know if I'll do the campus prayer thing or do the FPR thing, the furnace prayer room thing, because I don't know that I have that gift. It's not a gift. It's a command from Jesus. It's a command that we read about. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourself to prayer. We want to be a people that consistently are obedient, come before God, knock on the door of heaven, pray, and believe, and press, and ask God. It is not the strong, it is not the strong disciplined that have the resolution to pray. It's those that recognize how big God is, and therefore they recognize their weakness and brokenness, so they become people that pray. They become a people that go, God, I need you. It's actually weak people that pray more than strong people. Weak people that say, God, I need you to touch my body. I need a healing. God, there's a person, there's a person in my school, and they're broken. They need healing. We need you. It's recognizing the need of God. It's actually a place of weakness of saying, I need this person to come to know you. God, I need you at my church. On my own, my church just does not have the goods. We need God in our midst or we got nothing. It's a place of humility of saying, we need God. And it's weak people that pray, not the strong. Strong people strut. Strong people, I got it. You know, I'm, I'm educated or I, I've got the cool factor or whatever. 
Strong people strut, show up. It's weak people. I need God. I need God. I'm host. I need God. We need God. We need God's miracles. We need to walk in faith for a move of God on our campus. Without God, these friends from my school are going to destroy their own lives in the pursuits of lust and greed and pride. We need God in our school or else we're in trouble. We'll go the way of generations before us. We need God. They're more confident in their intellect and their money than anything else. I want to encourage you, even when we look at the life of Jesus, it's weak, broken people like you, like me, us. It's, it's not just for the historical great communities of faith that we kind of imagine we're awesome or that I do. Weak people like you and me, uniting together, recognizing our weakness, but recognizing God's power and God's strength, and us saying, we together are going to unite and ask God. Recognize our weakness, and in humility, ask God to move. Ask God to save our schools. Ask God for his power. Ask God for his presence. Jesus always responded to the desperate. The leper in Matthew 8, if you are willing. The sick didn't come and beg, the lepers did. Blind Bartimaeus, Mark 10. All the healthy are fine. It's the blind man. It's the blind man that cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they rebuked him and told him to be quiet, so he shouted all the more, David. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops, frozen. Get him. What do you want? I want to see. He recognizes his weakness, and because he knows his weakness, he recognizes a healer is passing by. Friends, some of you, you don't even know, you, don't, you, you haven't even recognized the grand, how big God is, how weak you are. You're, strut, you're pretending, you're strutting as if, as if it's all about you, but deep down you know you want to just lean and trust on God rather than pretending to strut and pretending to try to be cool. Forget it. Lean, trust in the one who holds you in the palm of his hand, who has the power to create the heavens and the earth, who hears the prayers of the righteous and delights in the prayers of the righteous. who hears your prayer and says it's effective if you pray. I believe our generation, our generation, while we're alive, I believe we're going to see a resurgence of a move of God in a place of prayer. I'm so excited to watch over the last 20 years how God's put his hand on worship. All of a sudden we got worship music being a big deal and the way that we pray, or the way that we worship has really changed a lot in our generation. Our, our, parents, our parents didn't grow up worshiping as expressive and they were, they were, they were doing it a bit differently. And they're refreshed. Our parents' generation are refreshed by how God has put his hand on the worship movement. 
how a David Crowder could be number one on iTunes in a secular chart. How the church could start to want to worship. I believe the prayer movement's not far behind. I believe God wants to raise up a prayer movement so that the prayer meeting isn't two or three people sitting in a cold room whispering prayer requests, watching the clock go by, hoping for it to be over soon so that they can go to work or they can go to school. I believe God is raising up a generation of young people that enjoy prayer, that are creative, post things on the wall, worship and pray, Bibles open, spirit of revelation on their lives, tears as they weep over their lost friends. Creative, writing their friends' names on walls, crossing them off when they're saved. Writing down, what are the miracles you're believing for, believing that your prayers are effective, and writing the date of the day that the healing occurs. God's raising up in this company, you and me, this band of teenagers, young people, where prayer is not what we do to prove to God that we're faithful, but we recognize who he is and how awesome he is. And prayer is what we do out of response of understanding our weakness and how much we need him, how much we want him. At DCC, at LP, TCA, at your campuses, your friends, you. I'm not talking about the staff. I'm not talking about the furnace. I'm not talking about DLA. I'm not talking about burn. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about God calling you to be a man at age 15 of prayer. I'm talking about you, a 15-year-old young girl, locking in with this, connecting with it. It's just, just barely, barely starting to come alive in you. And listen, the pressure is so small. There is no pressure. You know what? When you go into athletics, it feels like there's a lot of pressure. You got, I mean, you want to play varsity, you better practice, da-da-da-da-da. You go into academics, feels like there's a lot of pressure. The thing I love about prayer, weak people pray. And for eternity, we will recognize our weakness. Why not recognize it now and begin what matters for the rest of our lives on this side of eternity? On this side. And, de- and God, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, I ask for you. Weak people don't usually pray perfect prayers. Weak people usually pray pretty weak prayers. The blind man didn't cry out to Jesus, hey, perfect holy one who has the ability to heal, would you stop, halt, come and see me and declare to me that you will touch me and make a demonstration to all around how you are God. No. Blind, begging on the side of the road at the top of his voice, have mercy. Simple prayer. Simple prayer. You don't have to have memorized prayers. You don't have to have a certain prayer dialect. Listen, all you have to do is the easiest thing in the world. is come before God. Picture a God that's smiling, not a God that wants to crush you and smash you under his foot because he's mad at you. Picture a God who loves you like he loves his son. <laughs> It's another sermon. Like he loves his son. 
delights in you. And he's looking over at you. Come ask. We come before him. You may not have the right words at all. You just, God, God help. God save. God do this. God, and God goes, I hear you. Every word is heard. Every word. I delight in you. I love you. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I, I want to help you. This week I was putting my son Dawson to bed. How many of you know Jared Anderson's new song on his new record that says, God be in my mind, God be in my mouth. You know that song? God be in my heart, something like that. I don't know it very well either. All right. Well, Dawson, as he goes to bed each night, he's six. And as he goes to bed each night, we play a CD, the Jared Anderson CD. And, uh, and so Dawson was doing his, his, his nighttime prayer. And no music was on. It was just Dawson saying his prayer before he goes to bed. And he goes, God be in my mind. God be in my heart. God be in my elbow. God be in my nose. God be in my knee. God be in my toes. <laughs> oh, I didn't look at him and say, Dawson, that's theologically incorrect. <laughs> the Holy Spirit does not dwell in your nose and your toes. No. I know how I responded. I loved it. It was an earnest young man going... I want God. And I can guarantee you, his heavenly father delighted in him times a billion more than even I do. He goes, I love that six-year-old kid. Man, I wonder what he's going to be at 16. Listen, your prayers will be weak. Your prayers on campus, when you, go to lead, when you go to your campus prayer meeting or when you go to lead your campus prayer meeting, you're not, it's not going to be this glorious thing where you suddenly know all these words and know what to say but the heart of it the heart of it is just God do something God be at work I love to always quote Romans 8 where it says that sometimes we don't know what to pray so we groan I mean sometimes you don't know what to pray and you just go ah and God goes got it You and me, we're mates. I get it. I know what you're saying. I'm down. I'm with you. I know what's in your heart. And you go, ah! and he goes, I like that prayer. I like that prayer. And you just groan. You don't even know what to say. You don't even have words to articulate what's going on inside of you. But when there's, a mo- I've watched this. I've seen this. I've seen, I've seen college kids that get so moved by God, they don't even know what to pray. And they're just like, ah! Or they just, or they're singing worship songs to God. And we go into a time where I say, let's just declare to him who he is. And they're just like, no. Sometimes you don't know what to pray. But every prayer is effective. God enjoys you when you pray. He is not grading your prayers going C minus. If you would have added thou with, artith, awesometh. I would have given you a B plus. The language that you pray is not as important as the heart in which you pray. And as you become a man, as you become a woman that worships God, declares to him how great he is, looks at your campus and the absence of his righteousness on your campus, you recognize that gap and you begin to say, no, I need thy kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. 
Or that would be kind of like an A minus prayer. So let's go more with like, oh God, help us. That would be, that would work. Because you see, this is how God wants it. This is how it is. And it doesn't measure up, so we need God. Weak people pray, pray weak prayers. Listen, prayer is for everybody. It's for the weak. It's for the strong. It's for the articulate. And it's those who can barely talk. It's for the muscular and the not so muscular. It's for those that feel spiritually strong. And it's for those who feel spiritually weak. No matter what, it is the means to which we see God's activity on the earth. And that's what we're here for. That's what we want to see. All right? I want to take a few minutes in the moments that we have left. We're actually going to pray together. I'd like for everybody to stand, everybody to come to the front. We're going to turn this into a big fat prayer meeting. If I could have Kaysen and the band come on up. Let's take a minute. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to take a second. Everybody stand. Everybody come forward. It's not, an op- it's not optional. Everybody come forward. Shh. Come pack it in. Here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to just take a minute right now. And I want you to talk to God. And I want you to ask God to help you become a man or a woman of prayer. You, use your vocal cords, all right? Actually, I know some of you are like, well, I like to pray in my head. Half the time when we say that, we spend the first couple seconds praying in our head quietly, and then our brain goes another direction. But when you have to talk, it actually forces your mind to stay connected to what your voice is saying. So it's a way of just staying focused. It's a way of staying clear. I want you to talk to God right now. And whatever is in your heart in terms of being a man or woman of prayer, maybe there's inside of you you're going, I don't feel like prayer is enjoyable, but I want prayer to be enjoyable. I want you to pray that. God, I want to see a smiling God find joy in your presence. Some of you, you need to lock in with that your prayers actually matter. You think that they're theoretical. You need to lock in with it over and over again. The scripture says that they are effective. And I want you to pray that way. That you would have effective prayers. That you would see how God sees your prayers as effective. Some of you tonight, you need, you feel like it's good for everybody but you. You need to lock in with it. Prayer is for you. It's for everybody. It's enjoyable. It's effective. It's for everybody. Ready? Go. Just pray out loud to God. You and God. Go.
ahead and just enter into a moment of surrender? If you have decided that you are going to take time on a weekly basis, could be your campus prayer meeting, a campus prayer meeting, something you attend, something you lead, could be in the furnace prayer room, could be something you're doing on your own. But if you will commit and you go, I will stand in the place of prayer, even if it's by yourself. I will be a man of prayer, or I will be a woman of prayer. Let's just give ourselves to God. Let's just a place of surrender. God, we re-sign up again tonight. As we launch night and day prayer in the furnace prayer room. As we continue with our campus prayer meetings on every high school campus. We have a, we have a dream. Why, why, could, why wouldn't it happen? We have a dream. Prayer meetings on every campus. If you go, count me in. God, I surrender to you. I want you to raise your hand to God. Let's re-sign up again tonight. Father, we come before you, a willing people. God, we're hungry for you. God, we're eager to be a people of prayer. Individuals that pray. Men that pray. Ladies that pray. So Holy Spirit, not in our strength, but would you recognize our weakness We recognize it. We say, help us, God. Help us in our place of need. We need you. We want to be a people that pray, God. We want to be marked as people that believe and see a better day. And not in our power, but in the power of God. Lives are changed. Schools are changed. Families are changed. Drug addicts. Those that are addicted to sexual immorality delivered in the name of Jesus, God. Set free. Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, we ask, Lord, you would use the prayers of your saints, teens and 20-somethings in DSM, literally, God, to change our city, change Rampart High School, God, change DCC. God, we ask, Lord, all the high schools across the city, God, send your spirit. God, send revival on the campuses, God. God, do a new thing. Do a fresh thing. We won't stop asking. We'll keep on believing. We don't want to give up. We don't want to lose heart. God, we want to keep on pressing and praying and believing. So we ask for your grace and we ask for your strength. We ask for your mercy and we ask for your power. We ask that you would help us and that you would hear us. as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart they've got passion for God they're leading intercession on their schools they're set apart consecrated under God and they've got a vision and a mission for their life